0: Hey, here we go, here we go, fold your hands, close your eyes, let's pray. Two weeks into Lent, uh, hopefully everything is going okay, let's pray. O Lord Jesus Christ, who walked to the way of the cross, as an obedient servant of God, open our ears, we beg you, teach us by your Spirit that we too may not rebel, but walk in obedience as your disciples, as those who have learned of you, who follow you, and who with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit live and reign forever, one God, world without end. Amen. Hi, right, good deal. Welcome to Lent 2. How's it going? You break your fast yet? You cheat? Okay, just checking. You know, just the us know how it's going for you. It's, 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 you know, you can tell who's fasting by what their grocery list looks like. Okay, uh, women's retreat is coming up. It'll be fabulous because we've heard the guy speak and we thought he was great. So. Uh, Hipster guy from New York City, from Brooklyn. Tell your kids you're going to hear somebody from Brooklyn. It'll all be okay, right? So sign up. There's 21 here, but now's the time, as my grandma used to say, to fish or cut bait. Okay? I know. Look at that. Um, And run with Lindsay to Soldier Field. I don't know. That's just weird. Who does that kind of stuff? Uh, A couple of things to think about. Oh, you know what? I sent you a postcard. I'm willing to come for tea or something stronger if that's what your family demands. So... um, but over the next year, we'd sort of like to just pop in and see how things are going. Whatever you might, you just don't know what, what it might be, you know. So uh, one of us would like to pop over and see it, just with no particular agenda, just kind of generally, it's fun to do every once in a while. But with, you know, 400 families, it takes a little while or something like that, so we'll have to go. All right, uh, come, on, come for dinner on Wednesday. I think that was the biggest crowd we ever had last Wednesday. That was kind of fun. Karen, you make a dinner suggestion for Wednesday. What's going on over there? You know, you're the second person who's asked about pop-in. I used it as kind of like, hey, I'm going to pop-in. And so you're the second person in two days uh, who, of similar demographic and gender who have wondered about pop-in, as in the pastor just shows up. And people have horror stories about the pastors just showing up, right? So I'm not just going to show up. Pop-in would be, you would pick a pastor, Karen, and you would say, can one of you make a very specific appointment for under 60 minutes, to come and see us on a day that we select, then we would say, yes, that would be the definition to pop in. All right, good, just a second. Russia. Give money to Russia. Give money to Russia? Yeah. Uh, I I wish I had a, you know, this is if I was more technical. The bishop sent me a picture of, there was a car that rammed in the door of an airport in Russia this week and drove all the way through. Did you see this on YouTube? It's all over the place. You saw this? They said, they thought it was Pavel Zaikin, but then it turned out not to be. Pavel Zaikin is the guy that we've bought several cars for. Do you remember? Last time he sent us the picture of the car going through the forest fire. Do you remember this? The, like the flames were over the top of the car. Just driving along like, you know. Of course, if you get out, the wolves will eat you. So I understand why you wouldn't, you know, want to get out at that point. But it's different being a pastor in Russia. Um, the organ guy came. Now, this is, here, this is why it's great being at St. John, okay? The organ guy came, and he goes up and he looks at the work that Dave Muma, Rich Wren, Don Raisler, Marty Johnson, Palmer was there. Who else you got? All those guys. Uh, Jim Butcher, of course, right? The guy says, I've been doing this 30 years. He said, this is the best job I've ever seen. He said, And this is what he said. He said, yeah, I know. He said, because he said, they did it according to the directions. He's like, usually I have to cut them off and re them and twist them around. I mean, I was up here watching. I mean, these guys were all furrowed, But it was perfect. He came in and started working. So congratulations all around. Well played. I mean, that's really, that's really great. So I don't know a blower's in. A few things are being delivered. Life's good. Snow tomorrow, so, you know, who knows. But it'll, uh, we'll keep going, okay? And the alert guys, you know, went out, and, and men and women, you know, um, Went out and, and did some more work, so we're grateful to them. They're kind of the go-to guys now in the district, so it's kind of fun to uh, see what's going on there. Okay, anything else? Did we do it all? We think start to think already now, but the, the week after Easter, there's going to be a big brunch here. It's 150th anniversary of St. John, so plan to come. Yes, we did it intentionally. On low Sunday, the lowest attended Sunday in the church here, because Jesus is so good to you and rises from the dead, you don't have to come back to church next week. We know this, right? So in the church, that's called low Sunday. And then we're casting around. We're thinking, hey, you're not doing anything else, because obviously you're not coming to church. You might as well come to brunch. So it'll be a different schedule. There'll just be one. There'll be a Saturday night, but then on Sunday, just one service, and then then playtime the rest of the morning, okay? So... Okay, good. Questions about anything? You got questions about anything? We're missing people on spring break, I know, but it's fine. It is what it is. All right, got to think a little bit about, um, this may not, uh, you know, this has been, I realized as I, as I wrote again this week, this has gotten a little bit technical, and part of the reason it's got technical is because if you don't do the technical stuff, then you make bad mistakes, and bad mistakes are bothersome because... Um, salvation depends on it, right? You know, it's like the Eucharist. You know, The, the Eucharist is the easiest thing. You know, when a pastor talks to a piece of bread and then he holds it up and then you all bow down to it, that is either the worst heresy possible or the truest thing that ever happened, right? It's just one of those two things. It either is a piece of bread and you're a bread worshiper and you're going straight to hell because of that, or it is the body and blood of Christ, miraculously transported across time and space, and He holds it in His hands, and soon you will hold it on your tongue. Right? It's one thing or the other, and it's those kinds of things that matter. And if you get a couple of basic things right, so I'm gonna—I think if I can draw, I can tell you. Um, the best thing about Saturday morning is the kids all draw, which means I'm in competition for the colors, which actually. I like, oh yes, they left me a full explanation of everything that I should do. I wish I could turn this around. This is basically, this is everything that I meant to say to you today, but the the kids have already put it up here, so there's no point in me, it's not going to be that funny once I do it, okay? Right? Yeah, this is all you need to know about Jesus right here. Okay, here's the thing. It's $1,100 for the iPad that I can reject from up here. We're going to change. We're not to Russia, we're not doing Russia. We're doing a new iPad for the pastors, okay? Forget about it. It's not that good. Pull it back. Hey, pull it the other way. We got more people mobilized for this than the LERT team. It's unbelievable here. Anyway, no, no, it's all good. I just wanted the iPad. Okay, so here's the thing. Think about Jesus like this, if you will. You know, so Jesus is, this is the big deal, right? Jesus is one person. This should not be complicated. You're one person. Jesus is one person. The Heavenly Father is a person, 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 right? And, you know, there's different names for this. um, Hypostasis, noose, the names change across languages, of course, but even across borders, that makes it difficult. But we're making a single claim that this one person has... Inside a human nature and a divine nature. That's what makes Jesus the one off. You are a human person with a human nature. And in some sense, despite all that's happening in the 21st century, we're all the same. How about that for going countercultural, right? In some sense, the church says we are all the same. Yes, you should observe all the differences and diversity with respect right a Christian can never be cruel however um, the church also says we already knew that and also it's important for you to pay attention to the fact that we're all the same one person and one nature a human nature right that's everybody however Jesus is a one-off Jesus is one person with two natures okay now, there are three things that we have to pay attention to, and if you get this, you'll get everything right, and if you get it wrong, you'll be always in heresyville. Okay? So there's a couple of things to think about. One is how these natures relate to the person. Right? How do the natures relate to the person? So you're one person, one nature. This is kind of theoretical talk, but at least just kind of tuck it away so when somebody says, no, when you say that, at St. John, we burn you at the stake. You'll at least understand why we do what we do. Okay? So, wow. Apparently, there are some of you who are either in fear or thinking about burning somebody else. So, um, one thing is how, how, how human and divine relate the person. Another thing is, is how these two things talk to each other. How they cooperate. What they do. If you have two, how do they work together? You don't have this trouble because you only have one, but if you have two... How do they talk to each other? And then the third thing, how do they um, both work toward the work that Jesus is doing, primarily um, Jesus on the cross? So in Acts, for example, um, they say things like, you killed the Son of God. You killed God. And how does that work? Because I thought you told me that God doesn't change and he was eternal. So you see, this actually matters how these things, how these things work out. Because otherwise, you get very confused by scripture. And then what happens is, when you get, a, you get something in the, in, in the New Testament that says something like God died. Just make it as short as I can. When it says God died then suddenly what you, what you might do wrong, instead of thinking about these things, you might chip away like those heretics we saw and said, well, then he wasn't really God. Or we say, uh, or, or Jesus forgives sins. Who can forgive sins but, but, but God alone? Okay, then Jesus wasn't, well, he wasn't really God. Or he wasn't really man. You know, God dies on the cross. Well, then he wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't really God. He wasn't really man. And those, all the heresies boil down to saying... He either wasn't really a human being or he wasn't really God. The great confession of the church is he's both at the same times and they work it out. Okay? Make sense? So there's really just three things. It seems kind of technical and I gave you a Latin and I've already repented of that at the first service. But, um, you know, these are, this is the, you have to figure this out. Otherwise, you'll say the wrong thing which is not helpful. And, you know, everybody can make mistakes, but then when people sort of, you know, make a denomination out of it or make a heresy out of it, Jesus is not really God. Jesus just pretended to be God. Jesus became God halfway through. Jesus was never really a man. Um, he started a man, but he became God. He left his. He just pretended to be a man. It was really. He didn't. So God didn't really die. Jesus didn't really die. How do we talk about all these things? It's Lent, and this is this is the time to talk about it. So it's basically these three things: how does the how do how does each nature work with the one person? How do the two natures work with each other? And then how do the nations? So, for example, I mean, I just give you why this matters. This sounds very theoretical, but so I put questions like this to you. Could Jesus sin? Right? Could Jesus sin? Like the temptations last week. Is the fix in, Or does Jesus, uh, could Jesus be just like the first Adam? Could the second Adam be like the second? And, you know, yes or no. Or when Jesus does a miracle, what's at play? Is it just because his humanity is uncorrupted? Or does he draw on his divinity? Or when Jesus can see what Jesus didn't, this is part of the gospel, just two verses before the gospel for today, but Jesus didn't trust himself to men because he knew what was in their hearts. It's one of the things that none of you can do, which everybody, this is the most interesting thing in America right now, everybody apparently has the prophetic gift of seeing everybody else's heart, their motivation. You can tell not only apparently why people, what people do, but also why they do it. Never before in the history of the world did people had such gifts. But now, suddenly, we're so blessed, the postmodern world. It's wonderful. Okay, so, um, you know, what, what happens here? Does God die? Could Jesus sin? How does this work? Of course, human beings can sin. God doesn't sin or does God sin. What happens if Jesus gives in? What happens to the universe if God actually capitulates to the temptations of the devil? That's the text from last week, Right? So these things become more than theoretical because the church actually says your salvation depends on this single event that Jesus' life and death is applied to you, that what Jesus does is given to you as a gift, or you can't do it, so he does it, and then in mercy includes you in it. There's all kinds of ways to talk about it, but if you don't sort of sort these three things out, heresy kind of springs up all over the place. And it's just, you know, if you reduce it to three, you'll get most things right. You still okay? So let's just read Philippians 2. We just started going through this last week. But Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, you know, an inch from the right, part, right side of your Bible or maybe an inch and a half of the fat intellectual study Bible. So Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, right? Um, this remarkable, remarkable story. Okay. Um, if there's any encouragement in Christ, right? So remember, this is such a great, it's such a beautiful book because it's a church that actually works. Paul had so many struggles and failures, but here's a here's a church that actually did what he asked him and things kind of worked out. If you have any encouragement in Christ, if there's any incentive in love, so first Christ, then his love, if there's any participation in the spirit, koinonia of the spirit, which happens... You know, at the Holy Supper, um, that's 1 Corinthians 10. Complete my joy, which is, you know, I'm sorry, any affection and any sympathy. So this idea of um, loving other people and being kind to them, but also bearing each other's burdens. This is all straight Jesus stuff. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, right? And so while the church has a lot of different people and different kinds of people, let your mind be as the mind of Christ. Think not the things of man, but think the things of God. I mean, so you have this single focus, right? This single focus, and you can, you can boil it down to Christ on the cross. The single focus, you can pull everything back out of it. So all of history goes toward Christ on the cross, but once you start at Christ at the cross, you can back into all the rest of history, and it's endless, right? And it also goes forward as well. You know, you go forward from the... It's as if, um, you know, it's as if everything comes to... The whole world, you know, goes here, right? And the whole future opens up from there. That's That's the message of Scripture. This is what salvation history is. That this is where God saves you. But it's not in any sense theoretical. This is about loving people you don't like. This is about, you can all have your opinions, but at the end of the day, everybody agrees with Jesus. You notice that it doesn't say you should have the opinion of the pastor, or you should have the the opinion of a committee or a board. That's not what it says. It says you should have the mind of Christ, which, of course, he's described previously as a lot of maturity, a lot of love, and a lot of obedience. Maybe we'll go back there at some point, which he talks about as being the best life, and you thought it was Tony Robbins. No, no. Right? do nothing from selfishness or conceit, but, and then here's the key, humility, count others better than yourselves. Now, humility is going to be the key. We've talked about humility a couple of years in a row. Just kind of the short course is, you remember that if you want to be humble, you don't chase humility, right? Then you get the old cliche of being proud of being humble. So how, what, how do you get humility? How does humility come to you as a virtue? Humility comes from memory and gratitude. So you work backwards, right? So if humility is the end game, right? And this would be, you know, maybe the ultimate virtue if you can if you can if you can talk about it as love and then the worst sin being pride and every other sin can be pulled out of that, you work backwards to memory. And then automatically that gives you gratitude, right? So you, this is, you aim at this, and you get this, and then you get humility. That's how it works, right? So if you want to be humble, you don't, add, you, don't, you don't aim at humility. You aim at memory, which is why every time you come to church, we remember. We tell the same story every week. We tell it in a different way. Some parts of the story are always told the same. Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. Some part of the, the proper, some part of the story is different, so the reading is different every week. But it's the same story. And the story is all going here. This is where the story is going. So if you want humility, first memory, and at some point your tired old rotten heart is enlivened, is melted, is warmed, right? And for that then you say, whoa, I guess I'm not God. right? And humility boils down to love God and serve your neighbor. Right? So this is, all, this is all packed in here for churches who know what's going on. Now, he uses Christ as the great example of this humility, right? So, but in humility, count others better than yourselves. Love others. Serve. Um, it's interesting because we had a uh, new members class that was great in a weird way yesterday, which is we didn't do anything that I thought we were going to do. Uh, but the great part was that so, such a range of things came up. But I was reminded again, and this wasn't a question, but I always sort of inserted, the whole notion of rights in the church with Pope Francis and everything's happening in the Catholic church. In Ameri- in the American churches, well, Protestant churches, rights are always a big deal. There aren't any rights in the church. Just so you just so you remember this, right? There are no rights in the church. Rights are a political overlay from 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 somewhere else. In the church, they're only slaves. When you become a Christian, you become a slave, right? Duloy. You become like midwife, right? That's you know this comes from the Greek um, for for being a slave. You're a servant to another person, right? Adula. It's a it's someone who serves somebody else. There's nobody who has. Everybody's a slave in the church, and everybody is voluntarily in service to everybody else. That's how the church works. That's who Jesus was. Jesus was voluntarily in service to you, God and man. So here it is, right? So, in humility, count others better than yourself. Serve everybody. Let each of you look not to his own interests, but to the interests of others. So, it, it it always goes something like the baby Jesus, everybody else, and then you. It always goes that way. You'll never be better than third in the church, right? So, have this, and this is kind of where we just left off last week. Have this for oh, this mind among you, you know. Which is yours in Jesus Christ, passive verb, given to you as a gift. Who, though he was in the form of God, and already now you become—it becomes very difficult to talk about this single event. We don't have—we don't have language sort of to talk about this. How do you talk about God becoming man in flesh and blood? How do you—how do you talk about that? Who, though he was in the form of God did not count equality, that's pridefulness, right? So he didn't sort of go after this and say, hey, why me, or um, I should be better, or push, push his heavenly father out of the way. You remember there's this, there's this sort of, um, I preached on this once here, the technical word is perichoresis. It's the way that the body and blood of Jesus are in the bread and wine, It's the way that in yourself, your body and soul interact. It's the word also for how the three persons of the Holy Trinity are one, how they interpenetrate each other. But what's interesting is there's a fun word that comes from, the root word is for the word to dance, right? And so this happiness of, there's this happy thing about how Father, Son, and Holy Spirit cooperate together and ultimately cooperate to have you home again. There's this wonderful way and you know this when your body and soul are integrated, right? You know, there's all kinds of you know, earthly ways to talk about this, a balanced life or you know, you, you talk about um, you know, when everything you would ever go to either coast and pay a lot of money for that includes an oil drip and yoga. All of that stuff is already in, you know, what your body is so you are a tough crowd this morning. I think I probably, I probably, I probably, probably goofed with turning the board. Like I lost you right there. I know I did, but I'm coming back. Uh, just hold on. So you know, and it's also how it's also how the bread body and Luther's favorite term, bread body and wine blood. He did, bread body. He just used kind of hyphenated or put it together. Bread body. Now how do how do, well? It's this it's this happy sort of, you know, how things are fit together. So that's what's going on here, right? Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, given to you. Though he was, in the form of God, didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself. And this is, a, this is a difficult and also denomination-making way of talking. So there's kind of two basic ways to think about this. I didn't write this in, but while we're here, I'll just put it here. The basic word for this is kenosis. And it's from the verb is... Oh, I think I put it in there for you so there's two options here one is that on the way to the cross um, jesus left his all his divine attributes in heaven this kind of this is not the usually the luther way although there's ways to talk about this that can be very interesting but basically jesus did all that he did just like you did and so he never sort of appealed to his um in the in the in the sharpest sense He never appealed to his divine nature. So basically, this is broken, right? And he did all that he did as a human being. In some ways, it's kind of comforting, but it it means that these two aren't talking very well, right? The other way um, that Lutherans normally talk about is that Jesus has them, but he doesn't use them. Or he has them, but only uses them at the behest of his heavenly Father. So how do the miracles happen? He prays, and then with prayer the miracle happens. So he draws, uh, at the will of the heavenly father upon these things. We can talk about this more if you want, but it's basically, you know, what does it mean to empty himself? In one sense, you can talk about it, how the two natures work in another way. You can simply, uh, there, there is also a parallel with humility where you say he emptied himself of, you know, his own way and was totally servant to his father, right? You still Okay. This is as technical I'm going to get. This is the kind of question that they're going to ask the vicar next year. You know, in your fourth year, you have to go in and have an interview, where basically it boils down to three professors torturing you for an hour. And the better you do, the harder the questions get. And they actually have done this for years, so they have lists of unanswerable questions. But they will say to something like the vicar, name the three gaynesses, Vic. And then he'll be like, Gainus apoteles Gainus idiomaticum. Oh, what's that other Gainus? I wish I could remember. They're like, Zap, North Dakota. So, um, <laughs> and not to burst your bubble, but uh, you might have been going to Zap anyway. I don't know. I mean, who knows the mind of the placement committee, right? So in any, in any case, you should at least think somebody has kind of thought this through Um, because what happens is usually heresy appears on the far end. Like when people, you know, the, the Jehovah's witnesses arrive at your door and they tell you that Jesus isn't really divine. It's like old news. You know, we've heard that already in the first, the church has already worked that out. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta know sort of what's happening. So have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So think like Jesus, right? You follow Jesus, think like Jesus. This is how Jesus thinks. Um... He didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, the very first sin, right? That's the only sin. Adam's sin is to say, I'd be a better God than God. It's Adam's sin. It's the only sin there is. Every time you sin, you basically say, I have a better idea, or I'll have it my way, or I'm a better God than God. That's the only sin, right? So avoiding that, he doesn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Now, <clears throat> these things form a God and likeness of men. You just have to you just have to realize there's just one, there's a one off here. And how are you going to talk about it? You certainly talk about him being fully God. Well, the church solves it this way Say everything about a human being that you can say, say everything about God that you can say. Say everything you can say, and then it'll all work out. And sometimes, you know, it's not Going to all, all the fine print isn't going to work out well for you. You're not going to be able to comprehend all that God does, which means you can't sort of chapter and verse it down to the footnotes. You can apprehend it, you can appreciate it, you can begin to understand some things, but you cannot sort of plumb the depths of God. You just can't do it, right? To, to have a God that you can, if you can plumb the depths of God, He's no God, you're God. Right? This is, these things are sort of easy when you kind of get to the end. If you, if you can get all the way to the end of God, it's like getting to the end of the Internet. If you can get to the end of the Internet, there's no Internet. Okay, that's all you need to know. Ask the Russians. But if you, and if you can get to the end of God, there is no God. It's just your projection or creation of what God is. Right? So, um, you know, God becomes a servant. He becomes a man. And he was humbled, he f- and being found in the form, sorry, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, there you go, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Now, here's the thing. The other thing is, you know, and I've said this to you a gazillion times, but I really want you to believe it, you know, obedience is not a punishment. Obedience is love. Love is Obedience. To love is to do good. To love is to be obedient. The best thing that could happen to you, the best thing that could happen to you is obedience. You know, this is why you know we come to Lent and there's fasting and there's prayers and there's extra alms and all the things you think about. These things are not punishments. These things are not evils they do cause discomfort because they rub against places where you and I are not fully given to Christ. But I'm telling you, and I, you know, I've, well, I've disagreed with people who, uh, well, forget about that. Push that aside. This is my, this is, I just about, Mr. Freud, I just about, I just about um, lay down on your couch. So here's the thing. Love and obedience are the same. The Lord doesn't ask you to obey because he hates you. He asks you to obey because he loves you. It's just better for you if you don't tell lies. If you tell lies, your life is going to be horrible. If you kill another person, it's going to be... If you're eaten up by envy, if you can't be happy with what you've got, you're always going to be miserable, right? The Lord doesn't tell you these things to torture you. The Lord tells you this because this is what Eden looks like, right? The Ten Commandments are God looking in the mirror. This is what God... When God gets up in the morning to shave, for those of you who think he doesn't have a long beard... He looks in the mirror, and this is what he sees. Don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal. Be faithful to those around you. Be happy with what you've got. Carry on, right? Obedience is a joy. It's a, so you shouldn't hear these things. Humility, you know, in the world, humility and obedience are seen. You know, we, we kind of admire it in somebody else, right? We can admire Mother Teresa, but we wouldn't want to be Mother Teresa, Right? We admire people who, um, you know, who do something, who are true, who sacrifice for somebody else. By tomorrow, they're old news. Right? We do not privilege this in the world because it just you know, it not that exciting. And by the way, in the world, everything bo- bo- boils down to power. At the end of the day, what is satanic boils down to power. What is divine boils down to love. If you just can get these basic things in your head, the world sort of opens up. And it's important that you you know we're not... If you define your marriage, for example, or your relationship with your kids in terms of power, at some point that relationship is over. If you define those relationships in terms of love, the world opens up. And obedience or humility is no more than, than Jesus saying to you, look, look what happened, right? Look what happened. I obeyed my Father. I went to the cross. He resurrected me. And the world was reborn, right? And so he says to you, "Look, you can have this same life. You live in love. You live in honesty. You live in faithfulness. You touch good. You don't touch evil. You're reborn, and the world opens up." And of course, our problem is that we measure things. We're so. We're. we're this, this, this is why it's so important to come to church, because otherwise, you'll always measure yourself by. What you see around you, what's on your phone, what's on television, what your friends say, what you read, right? And and coming to church is the rehearsal of that delivers gratitude. You've told the story in a different way, which delivers gratitude, which delivers humility, which acts out in love. So that should have been the last thing that should have gone. And now finally, you're in the mind of Christ. You with me still? If you can carry this around in your head, it's a way that you can make sense of the world. This is how you can make sense of the world. Because sometimes the reason that sin is so appealing to us is it looks like a way out. It looks like the right way out. Last week, when, when um, the devil is tempting Jesus, the reason it's so interesting is that it looks like the way out. If only you will do this, you won't have to go to the cross. If only you do this, you can have all the power that a king has. All the kingdom of God, right? If only you will do this. See, it looks like a, it, these things always look like a way out. The point is they will destroy you. These things will destroy you. Hate will destroy you, right? Love will preserve you. Pride will destroy you. If you don't believe me, turn on the news tonight. We will watch the latest example together. Pride will destroy you, Right? So um, this is all an act of love for Jesus to take flesh and blood and not just to tell you. So the word, words, right? He tells you. But at some point, the word incarnates and he shows you for you who are visual learners, right? You know, you have the same chance now as an auditory learner. Congratulations. Okay, so here it is. And for you who think about this all the time, this is what you should think about. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. It's already been given to you in your baptism. It's given to you in the liturgy. It's given to you in the Eucharist. Who, though he was in the form of God, didn't count a quality thing to be grasped. He emptied himself. He took the form of a service. He humbled himself. He became obedient to death, even death on the cross. And then you always tell the rest of the story. Therefore, God exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. If you ever wonder why we genuflect at the altar or make the sign of the cross or bow at the name Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there's about three times today where you know the proper thing to do is, you know, this is just halfway to putting your knee down. But I mean it's here in the text. At the name of Jesus, every knee on earth, in heaven, and below. So this is happening in heaven and hell and on earth simultaneously. Um, some places with more happiness than others, right? But, I mean, here it is in the text. So when you say, you know, people occasionally will say, you know, why do you genuflect? The answer is the text, the text at the name of Jesus. And you can go places where, you know, every time Jesus' name is named, you see everybody sort of. Or, you know, your old, um, I went to, I told you I went to St. Mary's. You know, we were outed immediately at, at, uh, because we all walked into the chapel, and everybody else, you know, did what your grandparents used to do, or at least your great-grandparents, which is they reverenced the altar before they went in their pew. And of course, we were Lutherans and we just sort of stumbled in and then people were like, the Lutherans are here, right? (laughs) So I don't know, it can happen to you. Therefore God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name, and this is very interesting, at the name of Jesus, his human fleshly name, The angel, Matthew 1 or 2-ish, in there somewhere. The angel comes to Joseph and says, call his name Jesus because he'll save his people from their sins. So the most important thing that Jesus does for you is to save you from your sins, right? In heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess, technical word, say back to God what he said to us. So God says, I love you. Um, You say, you love me. God says, this is my son. You say, this is your son, God says, stop sinning. You say, I should stop sinning. Yeah, uh, God says, I forgive that. You say, you forgive me, right? The, the Lord says, let's go on. You say, let's go on, right? That's what confesses. You say, you echo back to God what God says to you. So every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. And there you get then the full bit, our Lord Jesus Christ. You get all three, Lord um, You know, in the small letters, goes with king, which is good because we get all sorts of talk about the kingdom of heaven, but it goes very easily to capital letters, Lord who makes covenants, right? Jesus is the name that you use when you need your sins forgiven, and Christ is the name for one who is anointed, uh, prophets, priests, and kings, right? Or the Messiah. So you get the full confession of Lord Jesus Christ. Christ, the fulfillment of salvation history, who comes in the flesh born of Mary, who comes as king of heaven and earth to save you. It all fits together, right? You only need about ten verses to be a Christian. This is is genius stuff, but you have to see all what's going on here and if we don't sort of get it. Okay, now we got two outlines and four minutes left, so here we go, right? (laughs) And you thought I wouldn't finish. Okay, so um, seriously, I can do this. Number ten... God wants to be tender with us, right? We did this, and so he puts himself in all different places, including the flesh. There it is, Philippians 2, that's number 5. That brings us to the two natures, we did that. One person, two natures, that Jesus assumed, right? The cross is at the center, and the way of the cross is the way of humility, that's number 7. And so humility means You become a slave, but you do that in loving obedience, right? Um, So off the Lord goes and faith agrees. That's number 10. Whew, okay, that was number 10. Now we'll go to number 11, right? Come on, we just did it all. We just didn't do it in the boring pastor way. So, um, all right, here we go. How do we, remember we're trying to talk about God is this man and this man is God. How do those things fit together? So, um, God, man, how does this fit together, right? That's what we're trying to do. Um, if you want to learn a little Latin, here they are. The two things for you to think about. The unio hypostatica, right? Or the hypostatic union. Hypostasis is person, but sometimes it can go in Greek philosophy of soul, so it gets confusing. You don't really need to know this. All you really need to know is that um, this just means that Jesus has both a human nature and a divine nature complete, okay? So that's the box. That's the box where they have how they... And if you want to go back and read the Christmas story, it's really easy. The angel comes, speaks to Mary. She gets pregnant through her ear, right? Right? And just for the technical-minded among you, what happens is that, um, you know, so you know that that, that, um, your Catholic friends, that that Mary's been proclaimed, you know, without sin. Um, And this is one of the the places where, of course, Lutherans want to draw back. Uh, But, you know, it's a a minor thing, and it's a minor thing for this reason. If you're the Blessed Virgin Mother, and frankly, James says you do remind (laughs) remind him all the time of the Blessed Virgin Mother. I mean, basically what happens is, they take some flesh and blood of Mary, they clean it up, which means they extract all the original sin, right? And then they drop it into Mary's womb, where now someone as pure as Adam is going to be born. You know, here's the thing. Someplace you have to, you have to say that that flesh and blood is pure. Lutherans say it happened at the moment the angel talked. Um, you know, Catholics can say, no, no, it happened to Mary herself, so she didn't have any sin, but that means then her parents, right? You have to keep pushing it back generationally. So if you just kind of think, and just quiz your friends about this, so it's, it like happens to Jesus, but then where did he get it? Well, he got it from Mary, because she was holy. got it from Joseph and Anna, because they were holy. It came from, right? Somebody has to get cleaned up along the way. If everybody's messed up, at some point you need to buy a little stock in CRISPR and go to work under the microscope, Okay. You got to pull out the stuff, right? So Lutherans just say it happens when the... But it happens at some point, right? And it happens so that Jesus is pure, right? So one thing is the hypostatic union. The hypostatic union is like this. How do these two natures talk to the person? And then uh, the next one, at number five, the personal union is how they talk to each other, right? Right? And those are the two things you have to figure out. But if you start doing it like this, then it's boring. It's more fun to draw it, right? So you can read this if you want. It basically means that these two guys, once they're put together, they're in per- perichoresis. They're not like you glued two boards together if you, you know, came on Monday with the old guys and they, they're just two separate things. Like, it's not that. It's, it's not that. Um, and it's not like you dropped them into a blender and you got some third thing. Right? No. Human just like you, divine just like he always was. So each of these get to retain their thing. They, and they talk to each other. They're nice. It's good. They love each other. It works together. And they all work together to put Jesus on the cross. Hey, I'm all caught up. You're feeling good about me now, right? <laughs> huh? Think about it. Think about it. Hey, time to burn. Okay, let's just pause. Think about it. Okay, that's good. Okay, let's pray and go to church. Okay? Love you. Come to church on Wednesday. Is it pizza? Gretchen? Somebody? She's teaching, yeah. It's pizza? Rosati's. Rosati's pizza, come on. It may not be food truck, but we still love you. All right, here we go. Let's pray. Lord, remember us in your kingdom. Teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay, thanks. See you next week.